there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. So, okay, you're in New York. So nice yes. to see you and speak to you. I was just catching up on your social media. Oh, cool. And I liked it. I really liked it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's important that I liked it. No, I I do. I appreciate that. I mean, it's always a nice to hear, especially from women that I respect. So thank you. Uh, okay. First of all, you're coming to Dubai Active. You've been there before. What is your plan this year? What are you, what are you up to? So this year is going to be so special. I love Dubai. I feel like it has such a special place in my heart. I love the women there. Um, This year, I am doing a live Redefine Fitness session. So I'm known for these really killer workouts and I'm bringing that. But also, this is kind of where movement meets mindfulness. Well, not kind of, really it is. Because what I've done is I'm leading the live session, but I'm also infusing some mindfulness techniques like setting an intention, using affirmations, and taking a moment of gratitude for your body after we're finished. Um, This is the way that I have evolved as a trainer. It is how I honor my why of why I'm even in this career. And it is so incredible to witness this experience with a group of women live. It is beyond like the energy is electric. And so I'm so excited to bring a library to find fitness session. Also right after the session, I'll be doing a meet and greet as I always love to do and also a Q and a, so a few opportunities. Uh, when you do those meet and greets, what, what, what happens? Like, what are some of the funny things that have happened to you? Um, there, I really wouldn't say that they're funny. I, I think they're just lovely. I mean, it's where it really brings it all very full circle and helps me remember that it's real. You know, it's one thing to just see like numbers on stats on, you know, in the app or Instagram, but being able to meet a woman in real life and hearing that I train her or that she has used the tools that I've created my workout programs to care for herself and her health and empower herself instead of using a fitness as a negative it it's truly why I do this. And so those meet and greets are hands down my favorite piece because we get to connect um, in person and hearing those things, it drives me. So. Yeah. It's amazing how many women have used fitness in that way. I'm the same. Like I came from the Stairmaster era and the, you know, night I would do 90 minutes on the Stairmaster and I would like yeah. Like, I mean, I, and I'm just like a pretty normal person and I've only recently, I'm 53. I've only recently started putting together how like negative my approach to it was like mm-hmm. how punishing. And is that still like, that's still happening, right? Like Absolutely. that's still, yeah. yeah and it's just like you said right now. I mean, I think it is, I think women in particular, um, obviously men are affected as well, but diet culture and the toxic ways that fitness and exercise in particular and eating and dieting have been packaged and sold predominantly to women over the last few decades is 
really pretty tragic and it has long lasting negative impacts on our mental health more than anything. And so now in 2023, I feel like there's just starting to be awareness of, wait, we no longer can afford to let our efforts and eating and moving our body be a detriment to our mental health because fitness is about health and our health is not just physical, it's mental, emotional, spiritual. And so these things, they do go hand in hand and you can use movement as that tool for self-empowerment and you can do it um, as a way to fortify your mental health, but not if your motive is in the wrong place. And unfortunately, like you just said, it's, it's not your fault. Like if you're in that place where you have that relationship with exercise, you're a victim of diet culture and you've been bombarded by these things since probably before you could walk and talk. And so it is not your fault that you might think or feel that way. But my mission is to bring awareness so that women can understand where those self-limiting beliefs lie within themselves and the pieces of the toxic culture that they've adopted and ingrained that they might not be even aware of. And once they're aware of those, they have the power to change those and redefine fitness and forge a new and healthy and gratitude gratifying relationship with movement for themselves. So that's my whole mission, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about your own experiences in this area of, of like having the toxic and food and that sort of thing? How many hours do you have? (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. I just want to hear about it for a minute and a half. No, no, I just curious. I'm curious to hear. I have so um, many personal experiences with this. And I think that is um, why, well, it is why I began, right? I think, you know, I grew up um, believing that fitness was like exercise was the ultimate chore that I would make myself do it if I ate what I thought was too much or if I just... I was in this perpetual mindset, even as a very thin, privileged, you know, skinny white girl that I just needed to lose five pounds. It was just like in there, in my head. Um, I had this goal weight of 120 pounds, which is like very unhealthy for my height and my body stature. And I just had no understanding. I thought eating healthy meant either starving myself, like eating the least or trying the latest fad diet or skinny tea and It wasn't until after the birth of my son, um, I had him when I was 24, that I realized that it can and should be something different. I think that phase, that really delicate postpartum phase, it was the perfect storm. Um, In a sense, it was a little bit of a rock bottom. And I say that gently because that phase of life is magical and beautiful, but also many women struggle with postpartum depression or anxiety. And I experienced the latter very severely. Um, And I feel like my mental health was at a, a big low. And also I was piling shame on top of that because with my culture and how I just viewed the world, I was very embarrassed. I was um, terrified of my own thoughts and that I was struggling. And so I just tried to hide it. And long story short, um, I was at a postpartum checkup and my midwife could tell that my mental health was not, uh, evening out or getting better. And, um, she, you know, she was saying like, you're not really okay. And what can we do? And I didn't want to take medication for different personal reasons. I wanted to nurse and I had stigmas around that as well. And basically she said, I should try exercising. I was so skeptical. I thought, what does that have to do with anything? Like I'm having real problems, but, um, I told her I would, I told her I'd try that. And so it was 
for the very first, I had started to try to implement regular exercise more times than I can count between the ages of 16 and 24. And it never worked. Shocker. Because again, it was always like out of a lack, out of not enoughness. But this time was the first time that I committed to moving my body in an effort to help my body and my mind heal instead of out of hate for my mind and my body. And I had an epiphany, like I had this really um, huge awakening, not just with this is where I am with my physical health and that's only going to improve. I'm only going to get my strength back and my ability back if I work towards it little by little and put in whatever I have. You can't buy it. No one can give that to you. And I realized my internal dialogue, the way I spoke to myself, the way I viewed myself, it was even more unhealthy. And I also realized, you know what? I can change that the same way. And I knew the road would be long and it's so hard. And it's something that it's a perpetual journey, right? Healing isn't linear. But when I started to feel and see the changes, my mind was blown. And I just, I wanted to scream from the rooftops. till every woman who hated themselves like I did understood that that's not it, you know? And did you sort of feel like you integrated your body and mind? Like, I feel like, you know, I feel like I spent a lot of my life separate. I don't know how to explain it. Like there was my head and the rest of my body. They weren't, I would, I would ignore my, I would ignore everything. Yeah. Do you, do you We're know what I mean? Right. We're taught that because it's like, well, starve yourself, shrink yourself, take up yeah. less space physically. And to think that that's not going to translate into every other area of your head and your heart and everything else. It's just, it's not separate. Our health is so intertwined. But absolutely, I used to feel that way. And that's why it's like, for me, the confidence and the the biggest progress, you know, I have these photos that I posted back in the day that, you know, helped me gain all of this, you know, attention online. And it was like before and after photos of how my body had aesthetically changed, right? But to me, the photos can't even come close to showing the biggest progress, if you will, and the things that matter. It's not, I'm not confident now because I lost a certain amount of body fat. And I know that this might sound a little weird or be a little controversial, but I promise, like I started to feel far before I saw changes in the mirror, I started to feel better. I started to treat myself more kindly. And when I cognizantly did that and chose to switch my inner dialogue, to be more positive, to practice gratitude in my life, to introduce meditation, when I did this other work, it was linear with my physical aesthetical changes, but trust me when I say as a fitness professional now, almost a decade in the industry, you can have physical aesthetic changes and still be exceptionally unhealthy with what's going on inside. And that doesn't bring confidence. You have to, confidence comes from building trust with yourself, from doing what you say you're going to do, from living authentically. When you do those things and you focus on remembering that your health is not separate, then yes, those benefits do come hand in hand. And like you said, you you kind of step into your wholeness. You realize that you're kind of able to, I like to envision like you are breaking through the walls that society or cultural expectations or whatever self-limiting beliefs you have, have built up within different parts of you. And you're shattering through that and being able to be wholly you. And I don't yeah. think there's anything more powerful than that. Um, 
you know, we hear a lot about uh, children, the, the conscious parenting sort of um, people will talk about how your children, you know, they, they teach you the challenges that happen with your children are, are there to teach you and you're there to sort of grow. I, th- I don't know if I'm bungling it, but that's kind of like um, yeah. one of the aspects of it. Right. And it sounds like postpartum was like your first lesson. Like, like it was almost like an opportunity. Do you see it like that now? I do. I mean, I look at my son. Aww. I think um, motherhood was the one thing that was finally strong enough to like pierce my delusions, essentially, to understand that how... I was viewing myself and my body was not okay because I looked at my son and I just, the thought of him viewing and treating and speaking to himself, the way that I was viewing and speaking and treating myself shattered me. And I understood, I studied marriage and family therapy in college. Like I understood that my behaviors and actions are his greatest teacher, not what I tell him to do. You know, it's how I live is going to be his biggest example to model after in his life. And that was what gave me the strength to have that awareness, to accept where I was, and then to take action out of that place for the better. And I did begin that journey, I think, for him 100%. And then I learned along the way that I need to do these things for me. And when women care for themselves, especially mothers, it is not selfish. It is exceptionally important. Prioritizing yourself only enables you to be a better mother to your kids, a better partner, a better friend, sister, whatever you want to say. Like Having that and prioritizing your health for you is not selfish. It is needed. And the more we can do that, the more we fill our own cup, the more we're going to have to pour to everyone else. Speaking of your son, you shared a post that just like it broke my heart because it was about putting him on social media and a con- and why you don't anymore in a conversation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, I began, I guess, my social media about a year into my fitness journey. So my son was about one because everything kind of began with his birth. And of course, he was an integral piece to my content, you know, like I, my motherhood was such an integral piece to the things that I was speaking to and saying, and I absolutely, my husband, my son are my life. Like they're my whole heart and sharing them just came so naturally. Um, I wanted everyone to know that I was happily married and that I love my son. And I just wanted to share my life authentically and they're the center of it. Right. Um, and so I would do so, but as he got older, um, I did so a little bit less intuitively just because I would speak to motherhood, but maybe not show him, et cetera. And, but I would still post him. And it was about, I think he was about six years old, maybe seven. Um, I took this little video of us in the kitchen and he goes, mom, are you going to post that? And I was like, um, I wanted to, like, is that okay? And I was like, really taken aback because we'd never talked about that before. Like he'd never asked me. I'd never asked him. It was just a thing. And he goes, I don't want you to, I don't ever want you to. And he said it so innocently and it shattered me. I mean, I just felt horrible. I'm like, how could I never have asked my son 
if he's okay with this. And for me, it was just such a weird thing, right? Cause I'm like, I'm not going to sit him down when he's four and be like, there's people online that I have this community. Like I'm not, it's, it's weird. Right. And so it, we never had that conversation, but, um, he understands what I do and he meets a lot of people when we're out and about and is always kind. And, you know, he's like, how did they know you mommy? And I'm like, I train them, you know, and he kind of gets to understand, but that day it just hit me so, so hard. Like these little humans, I'm trying to raise him to have a sense of self and that he should always honor that sense of self and that he has autonomy over his body and everything like that. And so I'm like, this is such a basic window that I feel like I just missed. Um, and I'm, I decided to like kind of share openly about this, what I would view as kind of a parenting mistake because I didn't know. And when you know better, you can do better. Um, and we, it ended up leading to a really beautiful conversation and one that is open now and he's nine now, and we still talk about this. And, um, now he's okay if I post about him sometimes, but not if it shows his face and it's never something I make him feel weird about or pressure him into. It's just, he gets to choose and that's that. And it's now a really positive, healthy thing. Um, but it kind of rocked me a little bit, you know? So. Yeah. I imagine you wrote about it really beautifully. Um, okay. I have a question. What does the internet get wrong about you? Ooh, that's a good, I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, I'm not sure. It's, it's funny. I'm sure there's a lot of things. I just Hmm. have kind of had to learn to stay healthy, not to um, take too much stock into assumptions about me or the gossip or, you know, um, the more negative comments and messages, et cetera, I get, I try not to pay too much attention to those because I don't want to internalize that or give that my energy. Um, You know, a couple common kind of fun ones for a long, long time, everyone assumed I was Australian. And it's because I'm partnered with Sweat. They host all of my workout programs and it's an Australian-based company. And obviously in the beginning of my career, especially I was going back and forth so much between Australia and Utah. But I thought you were Australian. I'm sorry. Okay. Like, <laughs> See, that's why I was like, oh, I was expecting you to be an Australian. Okay, so, I did it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, lots of people assume I'm Australian because of, you know, my partnership with Sweat, but I'm oh, born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. And... um I it's home. I love it. So I'm, I'm American. And then the other assumption, I think, because I am from Utah is that I'm Mormon or part mm-hmm. of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I was raised Mormon, but I'm no longer a member of the church. Um, and that's something that I've spoken openly about on my podcast. That's like the only space where I speak about that. But um, yeah, I think those are the two like pretty constant assumptions. Oh, and the third is that I'm a skier. People assume I ski since I'm from Utah and I actually just learned a few years ago, had an injury in my second season. So we're going to, we're going to try to very cautiously um, continue to learn this year, but again, very cautiously. Um, What advice do you have for people who, who just can't get motivated? I mean, I was ill last year and I've always been a, like, I was an athlete and I was a lifelong exerciser and just always walked, but it's super hard to get back to the weight. Like, I'm experiencing that lack of motivation, that resistance to just like getting it done. So how do you get over that? And for someone who maybe has never exercised, what's your on-ramp? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. It's very common, but I, it's actually not that simple. And here's the deal. It's pretty nuanced. Just like most things in our health, it's individual. I think there's two 
big pieces to this that I try to identify, I guess, or um, bring awareness to. And that is first and foremost, the whole theory of like falling off the wagon. It's like, what wagon? There's no wagon. Like as long as you're alive, you're on a fitness journey. You can't fail it. Um, life ebbs and flows. Periods of rest and periods of less being less active are completely normal. And especially if you are have been sick, if you've experienced an injury slash recovery, if you are at an ultra busy time in your life, it is okay to do less. And it is not okay to guilt yourself um, and shame yourself that you're not moving because that's that then becomes unhealthy. Like with my injury, with my ankle, I had to rest, um, like stop exercising for a significant period of time for the first time since my journey began. And it was exceptionally difficult for me at first. And then I realized if I believe that exercise is a tool to care for my health, that's my primary base, right? Well, my physical health needed me to rest. Instead of going and making myself get the energy and just like doing it when I don't feel like doing it and moving my body in the gym, I needed to rest. And I learned to take just as much pride in resting and then in my physical therapy and in my really low impact short workouts as I ever did in my big heavy sessions, because I'm just focusing on putting effort in every day to care for my health. Maybe that's a meditation. Maybe that's a workout. Maybe that's both. It's going to ebb and flow. And so I think the biggest thing is to never shame yourself or guilt yourself if you didn't get a workout in. That will never serve you. And that in and of itself is arguably just as unhealthy as being sedentary. I think worse, right? So there's that piece that I think is important. But in general, it's like I remember feeling like, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I tried so hard to like sign up for a program and just like I joined a gym or whatever it was and I was going to do it and I never could stick to it. Whether it was two days or a weekend, I always quote failed. I believe truly that the catalyst for success in physical fitness journey is the motive for your movement. And we have already discussed how ingrained it is to come from a place of lack or to have that motive be intrinsically negative. But I promise you can never hate your way into self-love. You will never get as far if you are negatively driven. But if your motive for your movement is one that is intentional, which is why the first step of my like mindful movement is to set an intention for your workout. Before I start, I take 30 seconds just in my head. I like to place my hands on my heart, take a deep breath. And I say, this session is to care for myself and my health. This session is to relieve some stress today. This session is to prioritize myself because I'm worthy of that. This session is to move my body so that hopefully I am strong enough when I'm 70 to stand up when I fall down. Like calling in those abundant, um, beautiful, positive thoughts of why you're going to exercise. That's positive psychology. It sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's real and it's so important. And so if you just choose, it's not going to come naturally at first, but if you choose to be intentional about not just your whole approach to physical fitness, but each and every time you move your body, you will begin to remember that those things are true and you will crave the beautiful benefits that come that have nothing to do with physical aesthetics, more energy, more confidence. You're going to sleep better. You know, the endorphins post-workout, like it's, there's so much 
more that is neglected because we're so focused on the aesthetics in the fitness space in general. And that's what I'm trying to cut away and bring to the surface that motive for your movement as the center for everything. And I know because I've seen it thousands of times with the women I train online, that that is their catalyst for finally being able to exercise discipline and consistency with their workouts. And what about one thing that's changed in my life is huge is the paying attention to our cycles as women, when we're working out, like working with them, what's your take on that? I think it's absolutely important. You know, I have had up and down journey with this kind of stuff. You know, we tried for baby number two for a couple of years that didn't happen. I've, I have ovarian cysts very often. Like I'm no stranger to the painful side of all of this, obviously as a woman, it's, it's a part of life. And again, I think the fitness industry has been historically predominantly driven by massive companies that are owned by mostly men. And so of course this has never been highlighted or brought up, but the underlying thing I could speak on this way too long, but is to listen to your body. And you've heard that a million times and it sounds cheesy, but it's real because as a woman, your physical body clock is set on a, about monthly cycle and your energy levels along with many other things are going to fluctuate during these cycles. And so for you to just stay in tune with yourself, do less if you want to do less. And again, never feel guilty about that. Go more gentle when you feel like you need to go more gentle, when you have abundant energy, harness that, utilize that, but only you know. So I would stress less about, you know, worrying about what you're told or what you should do during certain times or phases and more about how are you feeling that day and how can you honor that? And you must have a lot of women who are older because perimenopause has become a big thing in the last couple of years. Do you have any, do you, what do you say to people who are sort of their body's gone a bit awry on them in, in their uh, late thirties or forties? Well, that's the thing. Like I haven't entered that phase of life yet. And so I can't speak to my personal experience on that one, but I say the same thing. It's even more important that you honor yourself. A, the wom- a woman's body is so miraculous. And it's sad to me that it's unspoken or hush-hushed or even something almost to be ashamed of. It should be celebrated. It's a beautiful thing. And the least we can do for ourselves is view it like that. Okay. So the future of fitness is so crazy. Like AI is just taking over everything, but what, what are you excited about in this area? Like on the cutting edge of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I actually just today, like about two hours ago, launched a brand new program. It's called power strength. It's low impact. Um, it's for women who left It's a gym based program. These are longer sessions. It follows a push pull type of a split, which is unique for my programming. And that is like, you know, when you say, what are you most excited about? That's I've been working so hard to make this one real and to have it actually out into the world now. And in the sweat app for women to use, I'm absolutely on cloud nine. And so that's kind of my focus right now. So I'm here in New York, but ultimately my goal is to create programming to help meet a woman wherever she's at in her life. You know, I have a pregnancy program, a post-pregnancy program, low impact body weight, um, lifting at home, like whatever amount of time you have and equipment you have access to, I got you. And this program is filling a big gap, I think, for women who are focusing on longevity and training truly low impact and pushing themselves, but not 
pushing wear and tear on their joints. Right. And this is where I'm at in my life. And that's my big focus. So, um, that's what I'm most excited about and where my focus is as far as the AI and the tech, I am really taking this day by day. I'm not any sort of an expert. I really choose to believe that with everything in life, it's going to be what you make it. There's good, there's positive and negative sides to everything. And I like with social media, like it's been mostly a beautiful, beautiful space for me because that's what I've chosen to create there. So hopefully, yeah, it follows suit. Okay. And you still talk about one more minute. I thought that was interesting. What is, what is, tell me one more minute. Wait, one more minute. One more, do we have a one more minute approach or something to fitness? Like one more minute, or is that really old? I was researching you and it's, I, it, I probably, <laughs> obviously, well, when you say it, it rings a bell of just, I, I always say like lots of times women focus on a goal, especially when they're starting a fitness journey, like a 12 week program or a six week program, but that can be exceptionally overwhelming. And for me, with both my physical and my mental health, I've experienced many times where I'm not focusing on getting the next two months accomplishing something. I'm not even focusing on that week. I'm not even focusing on that workout I'm doing. I'm focusing on that minute. And sometimes it takes that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that power strength program sounds exactly like what I need. So yes. I think I yes. might do it. I'm going to get you a sweat subscription and make sure you can try it. Okay. I had, I've had one before a long time ago. And, um, I, when I was working out much harder, but I need to get like, er, so honored for it to get your feet. <laughs> You'll love it. Okay, cool. Listen, thank you so much, Kelsey. Looking forward to seeing you at the Dubai active show. Thank you. I can't wait to be back. Okay. Bye. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.